With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Post-Match Raw. I am not Trev, because he, he doesn't do the League Cup. He couldn't be bothered with that, <laughs> even though I saw, him, I saw him watching it on Twitter. So, no excuses, I'm, I'm going to say. But it is me, it's Guy, the Cup host as usual. I'll introduce my guests and then we'll get into the uh, uh, buffering mess of what our experiences were. I certainly was with Jim's. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Um, if I, anything like me stream, I'll probably stop a lot as a mid-talk, but you know. Yeah, we'll pause and then skip forward five minutes, that's right. <laughs> um, but we also have Dave with us. How are you doing, Dave? Two two cup appearances in a row, are you okay? Oh, I am Mr. Carabao Cup this year. Um, my stream actually worked surprisingly well. Uh, the issue I had was the sound on it. For whatever reason, I could barely hear the commentators, but I could hear the Liverpool fans singing for the entire 90 minutes. Had I closed my eyes, it would have appeared like it was only Liverpool fans there because I couldn't hear a word out of anyone from Bournemouth. So uh, it was enjoyable, you know. Yeah, speaking of enjoyable, I'm guessing Dave has the Newcastle Manchester United game on in the background as I do. Which I is do very fun. It's very fun as well. Um, we will keep people posted as that, and I'm guessing the draw will come through as we uh, converse. So we'll, we'll go through that as we did in the last round. Um, Jim, I'll start with you for the Liverpool team. Um, there was a bit of a debate whether we should go, how strong we should go, etc. Um, I think this is the perfect mix of strength and, and youth obviously not gone stupid we didn't have Chambers and, and Doak etc never we we give Quadrants some decent minutes maybe surprisingly Salah in there I think what was it unscouted I think I said he's only played four times in this cup beforehand um, but yeah Jim a nice mix of um, youth and experience in, in our team yeah definitely and um, I mean the biggest surprise with Salah I mean you sort of think maybe, you know, maybe sooner or later he's going to get a game in this competition, get a start in this competition. Um, I think the big surprise was that he played the whole game. I didn't think he would. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's good to see Jones getting back after his um, undeserved ban um, in domestic co- uh, competitions, at least. And at the back, yeah, I mean, I mean, Kwanzaa has been... Um, I've been what, enjoying watching him play, been enjoying watching him grow and um, and the experience he's getting is massive for him. Um, you know, the money you could spend to get a decent centre-back to help you have some cover at the back. Um, you know, not saying we got him for free because we invested in him as a youth player and all the, all the effort we put in at, at the academy, but we've got a decent player there and I think the more we can get him some games, the better. Um you know, and, and and having Joe getting a game out wide um, as the fullback again, um, with no real cover for Trent in that position, and um, the the more games, the more minutes he gets there, just to sort of get used to that role again, because he's not really been much of a fullback for us, has he? Over the past few years, when he's played, he seems to have played more in the middle. But um, Queeve's obviously going to play in goal. I think unless there's a real issue, that's where that this is his competition again. Um, he's done all right in it before, but yeah, Elliot. Um, yeah, you sort of think, well, is 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 you know he's got all the enthusiasm, ideal competition for him. And Endo, um, I want to see him play. I want to see what he can do. And again, it's a good competition to do it in. There is that worry, like you say, though, that you you play too much of a changed team and you kind of 
give them their team talk as the old cliche goes by putting out a weakened team but I still think that is a strong team I mean you look at um, you know Salah Gakpo um, Sabosli you know players that are going to start all of our games if if um, everyone's fit there's a pretty good chance all three of them are going to start every game um, Jones has started a lot of games this season it's a hell of a strong team so I think any any sort of fears for them thinking oh yeah we've just put out a week inside we haven't we've put out a rotated side with a couple of young guns in and um and but not a lot of young guns actually so we've put out a, a, a decent team and exactly what we need for this competition i would say because you know we've, we've got to save the plays for the big bigger games but we do want to do well in this competition in my opinion if we can because it's nice straight to wembley isn't it Yes, absolutely, absolutely. We need, we do need to uh, uh, stat pad the medals as well. We just have to. Um, but Dave, coming for you, feel free to add anything on the uh, the Liverpool side. But Bournemouth, not too rotated. Obviously, Cliver probably the only one who's not a regular, and Smith, I should say. Mm. Um, obviously, got their first win of the Premier League season at the weekend. Do you think they just maybe went strong to try and keep a bit of momentum there? I, I guess so. I was quite surprised how strong they went, considering they've got City at the weekend. I wasn't all that surprised we went all that strong, considering we've got Luton at the weekend. So, you know, it was easier for us knowing that we can probably do a bit of rotation at the weekend too. And uh, maybe, maybe Mo or Dominic don't start against Luton. And then we've got a Euro- Europa League game next week where we can go fairly handy because we have that group well in hand. Um, but I was surprised at how, how strong they went. I mean, you know, Radu's in because Neto's injured. Zabarni and Kirkus is part of their best back four. Scott Billing and Christie is the manager's preferred midfield three. Solanke starts every game. Semenyo is a regular under this manager. So really, yeah, just Smith, Cliverd, and you could say Metham, but I don't know whether he's going to be first choice or not because he's been injured most of the season. So he's back in over the last two games. And maybe that was just the idea. Get him more minutes, get him building a partnership with Zerbani, uh, because maybe this is what they want to do moving forward. But uh, look, to be fair to them, they gave us a decent game. Um, they had some, some talent coming off the bench. I was a little bit surprised that... He didn't start Kiefer more, and then I was even more surprised that he waited so long to bring him on, especially considering in that second half they had basically a force ten gale behind their backs. Yeah, like I thought they'd have just been leveling the ball in on top of our centre backs and goalkeeper, and having that big mule just like leap about like a fish out of water and try and get his head on something. But no, they 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 played the football. They they tried to give us a game, and we didn't do ourselves favors at times but all things considered we we advance and like jim said we, we want to do well here like we're in the quarterfinals now and this competition is wide open because city are gone arsenal are gone united are about to be gone brighton are gone you've got a mediocre chelsea team a fairly mediocre west ham team you've got newcastle and that's really it i mean you're not going to be too worried about the likes of fulham and everton and middlesbrough and port vale I'll be worried about Middlesbrough. Any slip-ups there, Dave, and I'll not be left alone for a year. I can't be having that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. We'll come back to Bournemouth as the game develops. Maybe me, we'll talk about their survival chances, because I was quite impressed with them in this game, considering the con- conditions as well. Uh, but we'll definitely come back to them. Um, as we were discussing before uh, we started recording, my stream was just not having it for the first 15 minutes or so it was buffering then it worked then it was buffering and then i tried portuguese streams and i had no clue what was going on that that broke down etc but it got it, it was all right after that um jim you said you only had like one note in that first 15 minutes or so yeah apart from saying what a bad stream it was i've written that down a couple of times um uh, it was just Kelleher. um he had to make a save from Cliver, which was, um, you know, it was a, a worthy effort from Cliver, just um, coming in from the left. Um, you know, Quiz had to make the save and he did. And, you know, that was sort of an early sign of, um, you know, maybe, maybe what they are capable of, you know, that you sort of felt we were going to get a lot of the possession, but they're a kind of team, if they've got that kind of skill amongst them that, you know, We've got to be on our guard and we might be caught out, which, um, no spoilers, maybe that would happen later on in the game. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, up until then, what bits I did see, I just felt like we were sort of just just casually sort of taking control. And um, I say the word casually because that does worry me sometimes that we're a little bit too casual, a little bit too slow. But perhaps considering the conditions, the horrible, I mean, it was horrible. I mean, it was sideways rain and everything. Um it was probably the best thing to do was not to uh, to go too too sort of fast into it, just sort of casually build up and, and patiently build up. And I think that's what we were starting to do um, as that stream started to improve for me. Yes, the stream only wanted to see Bournemouth. <laughs> that's all that was allowed. Uh, I was going to start off with the most British of pastimes and talking about the weather, but yes, it was it was just raining sideways. It was horrid. I. I know people like playing in the rain, but I always hated it. Just hated playing in the rain. But ne- I don't <laughs> think I've ever played in that bad of weather, to be fair. Um, maybe a bit colder. Um, but first note I've got down, Dave, is Bournemouth. Uh, no, sorry, Salah has a chance, but it was offside. Um, mm. No no VAR in this competition at the minute, which is still a bit weird, seeing as it's Premier League stadiums. But Yeah, but it's because a lot of the League Two stadiums yeah. don't have it, so don't have the facilities. So, I mean, look, it's fair enough. And I think it, it kind of reminds you that even though, like, it, it, the way it's done in the Premier League, it, the processes could improve hugely. Like, it does, it does help with the game. It helps with tight decisions. There was a couple of moments in that game where there was definite offsides, one or two by Solanke. There was one, one as well where the ball went out of play yeah. and they didn't get picked up. And had goals been scored, we'd all be saying, well, if there was fucking VAR, you know, we'd be through or whatever. And I think that will hopefully help people get used to the fact that VAR can, can be very beneficial to the game if it's implemented and then applied in the correct way. I wonder yeah. if um, I wonder if they're sort of hanging back a little bit on making decisions, um, almost going into a habit of thinking, oh, I'm not sure if that's off or not. I'll just keep my flag down. VAR will sort it, and then go, oh shit, VAR's not on tonight. But you know, um, I think that that is a weird thing, though, isn't it? Just getting used to the um, the thing that the ref's blown, the the flag's gone up, whatever. That's it. That's the decision. It's not going to change. Now it was a bit strange to get used to it, and there wasn't a lot of controversy tonight. But I think, I mean. I don't like, as you say, the way VR's done, but it does sort of clear up a lot of that controversy, doesn't it? It it, it didn't go that way tonight, but it is a reminder that, you know, things are getting let go that maybe, you know, if if a goal had come, it would have been big questions being asked about it. Think about usually Aster, there, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, not, uh, not our experience of it. Uh, but we'll go through some of the early uh, chances before the goal. I mean, there's that Salah one um, that I mentioned that was just offside. Bournemouth had a chance by Christie. Um, That's my first couple notes. I, I did miss a few chances. I'm not sure what the timer was. I think Elliot had a chance, so he should have scored. And, and Kirk has had a chance for them. If you've got timestamps for them, feel free to add them in for me. But... Um, yeah, Dave, what did you feel about the first 25 minutes of the game? It was just, from what I've seen, it seemed quite, not even, we seemed to be the better team, but they had mm. chances on the break. Yeah, we were definitely the better team, but you could tell that like this was a a rotated group that, that didn't have a whole lot of experience playing together, and our shape was a little bit weird. Like We didn't seem to have a defined right winger. It was almost, or a right midfielder, it was almost like Dominic and Harvey, well, whichever one you're closest to, that's what you are at that moment in time. Mo was sorted through the middle, Cody was sort of off the left, and it was all a little bit weird. But uh, we were definitely the better team. We played some nice football. They looked, you know, relatively threatening on the counter. They had a couple of moments, but I thought Gomez looked sharp from the off. Kwanzaa looked really sharp from the off. I thought he was absolutely outstanding on the day. We'll definitely talk about him later. Um, Costa Simicus, the man who, since the day he arrived, has looked like he has black eyes, actually had a black eye tonight. So if anyone knows why, I'd like to hear the story. Um, His mascara had run in the rain, I think. Most have done. (laughs) Most have done. You can imagine Costa's been a bit of a goth. Um, (laughs) But yeah, the first 15, we we were kind of settling in. It was a a new group of players getting used to each other and getting used to a new new kind of different shape. Um, The biggest notable moment we had was was probably the 
the Harvey pass to Mo, but Mo was offside. And other than that, I mean, we were kind of letting ourselves down with that final ball. Like Dominic overhit a couple of passes, Harvey underhit a couple of passes. Endo and Curtis were scrapping away and making sure we had a bit of a platform to play from. And we just, it was just a little bit disjointed from us, but you could see what we were trying to do. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, we'll skip ahead to the goal and I'll, stay, I'll come to you, Jim. Um... I think we get a corner, don't we? And then it falls to Elliot on the edge of the box. A shot that falls to Kwanzaa. And then Gakpo doing his best jotter impression just there to tap home. He, he's definitely learning. Uh, it's nice to have Gakpo back. Obviously injured for a little while. Now a forward line was a bit a bit short. Um, it's obviously tough circumstances in that weather to play any kind of nice football. But I think Gakpo there playing up front with more kind of in a two. At times, I don't know what formation we were playing, but um, it's nice having Gakpo back, and it's a, it's a nice predatory finish. Yeah, and I think um, there's a lot to his game as well that we're that we're going to see more and more of. He's, you know, we've kind of moved him around, haven't we? Played him in different ways, but I mean, sometimes you know, for all the greatest goals in the world from edge of the box and all the rest of it, sometimes those tappings are the ones that are just the sweetest um, because you know he's in the right place at the right time. And we'd had um, a little bit of pressure before that. I would say for like five minutes before that, we were starting to put quite a bit of pressure on them. Um, I think there was a shot from, from, uh, from Dom that just, just, just sort of suffered by how strong the wind was, things like that, you yes. know, it was just a little yeah, yeah, bit yeah. too windy and it went a bit too fast. Um, but we were just putting that pressure on them. And I think, um, it's those sort of scrappy ones almost. I mean, that, that shot from Elliot to start with wasn't a bad shot. Um, I don't see, I'm not sure Kwanzaa had much much of a clue what was going on in terms of like, you know, it sort of just hit him. But that's the thing. It's just having the player that's in there that's got the instinct that waits for that loose ball and just knows where the back of the net is and, and changes it for you. You know, far too often you see you see teams where there's a loose ball like that and there's nobody near it. And, you know, fair play to Elliot for having the shot. Um, because the thing is, if you have that kind of a shot in that kind of weather, um, you get it on target, there's every chance it's going to either go in or come loose to someone, and that's what happened. Um, perfect. And as you say, Cody, um, I just like having those options. I like having the sort of five main front men that we've got to choose mm-hmm. from when we know we're going to have three positions generally, occasionally four to, to squeeze them into. Um, we've just got we've got different players fighting for the places, Um competition in a healthy way just determination from all of them then when they do get the chance on the pitch that they're going to make sure the manager's got a bit of a choice to make next game not um you know not thinking to himself well he was crap i'm not going to play him because i do think on the whole you know occasionally we have players who don't play well for the whole game but generally speaking these front men um are doing plenty in games that make is making it hard for Klopp to decide who to start with in each game yeah, Dave, coming to you on our forward line, do we have the best, maybe not in terms of individuals, obviously Moore's up there in terms of individual, but do we have the best group of forwards in the Premier League, if not the world? I can't think of many. Um, I would say definitely in the Premier League. Cities is really good. I mean, Haaland, obviously, Alvarez, Doku, Grealish, Foden, I'd rather have ours. Uh, you wouldn't want Chelsea's. Arsenal have a strong front three, starting three. Uh, then they've got Inketia and Trossard, so ours is definitely better than that. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle don't have the quality. Newcastle United is over now. Newcastle have won 
3-0. It's eight defeats this season for United in 15 games and five defeats at home already this year. But it's all the Glazers' fault. They only gave the manager $200 million to spend in the summer, so Glazers out. Um, <laughs> outside, of here, outside of England, Byron's is, is fairly great. Now, if you think about it, you've got mm. Kane, Tell, Sane, Nabry, and Kingsley Coleman. That's really, really good. And Chupamotting. And Chupamotting. And they, <laughs> you could count Musiala as well if you really want yeah. to, and, and Thomas Muller. So Bayern might just edge us just a little bit. But outside of them, I mean, Real don't have a number nine, so it can't be them. Uh, Barca, Lewandowski's great. Other than that, I mean, Rafinha is very good, but uh, no, I'd say ours is better than Barca. We certainly have a better front group than anyone in Italy. So you'd look at the one you would look at is PSG. So you've got Usman Dembele, Colomuani, Mbappe, Goncalo Ramos and Bradley Barcola. That's a really, really strong front five as well. I'd rather have ours at the min. I'd rather have ours at the minute, although, I mean, Mbappe, I mean, you wouldn't mind having him, do you know? Mbappe, Salah's very even. Yeah, I think if if them two even each other out, I think ours, you'd probably have a higher ceiling because Dembele can be mint. Yeah, and plus theirs is a bit younger than ours. Mm. I'd probably put us second after Bayern. I'd probably go Bayern, us, and then PSG. But, yeah, it's very tight between all three, and you could make a strong argument for for any of the three of them. We've definitely got the strongest group in all the competitions we're in this season, anyway. Yes, without question. Without question. (laughs) That's true. That's a sad reminder of Rooney. Yeah, yeah. there, Jim. Thanks yeah. for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, it is good that we've, we've always been strong up front, haven't we? Um, coming back to you then, Jim, I mean, you mentioned that Zabozlai chance from the edge of the box. It's just a whisker wide. Uh, Semenyo seems to be their biggest threat, I've noted down. Um, and then there's, there's two chances I don't have timestamps for, and Elliot should score from, I think it's just the edge of the box where it gets cut back to him. And, and Kirkus has a chance as well. Um, the Bournemouth view from you then, Jim, was there anyone that impressed you? With, well, in the two games we've played Bournemouth this season, but in that first half, did anyone from Bournemouth tickle your fancy? I, I mean, I actually, I don't know. I mean, he didn't didn't do lots in the whole game, but there were just a couple of cameos from um, from Cliver. And whether I was kind of wait, I don't, I've not seen much of him play to be totally honest, so I didn't really know what we, what we were going to see. And you think. There's two chances, with all due respect. You know, you can, we can all think of a great player and then a not so great son. You know, and you wonder, is that what's going to be? But I think there's definitely potential in that player there. Um, you know, whether whether Bournemouth will keep hold of him, I think that's going to be uh, interesting to see. I think you know, there's definitely a, a decent player there. But um, overall, overall, they were just um, there was there were a few that sort of, I mean, Solanke. Solanke just seemed to be fuming the whole game, um, not getting as much service as he'd like, which, um, you know, it's good to, to know that you've got a, a striker who's hungry, but then you also wonder, is he maybe not doing enough to help help the team, you know, and be in that sort of situation? You know, he, he was a, a promising player for us, wasn't he, at one point? But I don't think anyone, you know, with all due respect, anyone's sort of upset that he no longer is. He certainly wouldn't be in our top five now, would he, um, the strikers? But um, I think overall, more than anything, it's just the whole team. I think you see them fighting as a team. Um, Scott looked good um, at times, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. you know. But I think the, the whole thing is, they, and as a team, and I've always said this about Liverpool, that when we're at our best, it's when we're playing as a team. When you know someone can make a forward run because someone's got his back and um, you know where each other is and you're fighting for each other. And it's surprising when I saw them today that they've only just got the first win in the league because they're certainly capable of more than what they've shown this season. Um, whether the, we made them look good, I don't know. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, front front to back, I think what I, what I was impressed most with was the determination. And, you know, bearing in mind that the crowd weren't really up for it much for much of the game as well, you know, they kind of brought the crowd alive a little bit in the second half, which... You know, it is a big thing. You know, I, I've often thought that at that stadium, it's quite a tight stadium and it can be quite unnerving in a cup game, um, especially in that kind of weather. The crowd were quiet, but second half, they got the crowd on the on you know on their side. And, you know, I would say help make it difficult for Liverpool. Um, 
because together we always say about Anfield when Anfield's quiet um, you know the players are waiting for the crowd to get them going the crowd are waiting for the players to get them going you know just get it going yourselves will you um, today I think the players got the crowd going for Bournemouth yeah, they definitely did in that second half. Um, Dave, coming to you, I mean, your your thoughts on Bournemouth, obviously you get to talk about them more on two-footed. But mm. uh, in terms of this game, I mean, there there is some players that we, we've discussed on, on the Friday shows occasionally. I mean, I've not really had a chance to talk about Scott, but I knew of him obviously being a massive talent in the uh, championship. He looks like a really potentially very important piece to their season. Yeah, I mean, the unfortunate part of it is they bought him and Tyler Adams to play as a midfield pair. Both of them arrived injured. He's now back and Adams is out till February with another injury uh, or the same injury that's reoccurred. And it's a massive blow. But like it, it is it's a strong squad. I mean, there's a lot of talent there. They probably need to go in January and sign maybe two players. But, you know, they've, they've got. A decent group of goalkeepers with Neto and Radu and and Randolph. That's Randolph is just a, is just a backup, but he's an experienced veteran who who's who knows how to you know prepare others throughout the week to be ready for the game at the weekend. You've got Max Aaron's a solid right back. Adam Smith and Fredericks are I mean they're not Premier League players, but they're serviceable enough. You've got Kirkes at left back. You've got Kelly can play left back. You've got Kelly in centre back as well with Sinisi and Metham and Zerbarni, who I think is going to be really, really good in time. I think Zerbarni and Kirkes are two that the top clubs will be coming knocking for within 18 months. The midfield group again, there's a lot of good players in there. Lewis Cook, Joey Rothwell, Brian Christie, Scott. Billing, Billing annoys the piss out of me, though, because he should be better. He should be stronger. He should be more important to them. But he just drifts out of games for too long. Um, but it's still a, a good group and they've got good wingers. You know, the likes of Hamid Traore can play wide. Tavernier, Oatara, David Brooks, Semenyo was there tonight, Clivert. And then up front, you've got Solanke. They could maybe do it another goal scorer. Yeah. With, with with Adams out, you're probably looking for another ball winner in January and then someone else that can score goals, either from wide or through the middle. I think Solanke's a really good nine, but not if you're asking him to be the primary goal scorer. If you allow him to be like, I said this on Two Footed today, if you, or was it, it might have been on the Daily Red today, if you allow him to be like a Bobby Light, where his primary focus is to occupy defenders and create space for others to move into and use his ability as a one-touch passer to open up chances for them. That's where you get the best out of him. And I do think there's a 4-3-3 that they could go to with Oatara on one wing and maybe maybe it's Clivert, maybe it's Semenyo, maybe it's Traore on the other as goal scorers either side of him then put a solid three in midfield. You've got a back four that will work. And I, I think they're going to be fine. I, I've been higher than most on them this season. I think they've recruited really well in the last two windows. I like the manager. I know a lot, there's a lot of people that want them to fail because for some reason they've decided their team Gary O'Neill, which, I mean, that's if that's a hill you want to die on. That's fair enough. You want to, you know, march to the beat of that drum. Good for you. But I think this is a, a good group of players, a talented group of players. And I think over the course of the season, it'll start to come together for them. They were good at the weekend against Burnley and deserved to win. And I thought they were decent tonight. Like they, they didn't give up. They kept playing. And at the end of the game, it was, they could easily, they could easily have gotten an equalizer. And if they'd gone to penalties, who the fuck knows what happens? Kelleher wins penalty shootouts though. So that's, that's always a positive for us. Yes, very much so. Even if he's taken them. That's the most important thing. Uh, we'll move into the second half then. And this is kind of where the game ignites into life a bit because we're playing against the win now and forget how to play football seemingly. <laughs> um, but uh, again, my stream, first 10 minutes. Not having not having this. But my first note is um, was the Semenyo chance where I think it falls to him at the back post. Um, and he 
puts it uh, to the near post and just misses rather than going across. Um, but Jim, this is where there is like, I'm going to say at least 55 corners that just all seem to be near goals. Yeah. Um, it was that, it was that sort of, um, and I don't want to say this to make it sound like that's the way Bournemouth play, but when the wind is that strong in your favour and you, you want set pieces, you want, you want set pieces, you want the, the whole sort of, uh, you know, frightening stuff that happens when the wind's blowing like that and everyone's sort of scrambling for the ball in the box. Um, you know, it's the old sort of, and this is where I'm, I'm reluctant to kind of say, like the old Wimbledon way of playing, you know, the law of averages and all the rest of it. Um, Bournemouth didn't play like that, but when they got the set pieces, they sort of used that that chaos, you know, normally copyright Darwin Nunez. Um, you know, they brought their own kind of chaos to things and, you um, I would also say that we brought a lot of that chaos ourselves as well. We just didn't seem to sort of adapt the way we were playing to the conditions we were playing in. Um, when I've written down about 51 minutes, they were they had a corner, and you know the guy put the ball down for the corner, and the, the ball kept blowing away. And I mean, you, you used to see that years ago when you were playing with your little um, crappy footballs on the park or whatever. But you know you don't tend to see that much in in top flight um, football these days. Um, but it was very strong wind, and we were just still kind of playing it out um, casually from the back, you know, taking the short goal kicks, and um, and they were pressing us. And and the thing is, when you sort of try and put in a quick pass, the way the wind's blowing, it's not going to reach the player that you aim for a lot of the time. Um, it's either not going to reach them or it's not going to get to them. Um, it's going to go totally the wrong way. And we just didn't seem to, you know, take that into consideration. You know, we were ahead at that point, and we weren't sort of. We were sort of being, being sort of playing as if it was nice weather, if you like, and I'm just a bit worried that we didn't really think of it. And there were a few times when, yeah, um, I mean, we we had a shot, um, we had a bit, we had a bit of pressure, but not a lot, and it just felt like it was constant pressure. I mean, there was Gomez clearing the ball off the line. I've written down, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Off you know, corner, yeah. <laughs> yeah. After about 56 minutes, I think I've written clown cars, um, cup football the way we were playing was that it was just as you say we forgot how to play um a couple of weird things i mean i think Simicus got fouled the rest said play on and then um, Gakpo came did his own foul in revenge but he got i think he may have got booked for it he certainly got a free kick against him for it um but again that was that was it it was just this this feeling that we were just sort of not doing anything when we had the ball we were losing the ball too easily um when we had the ball, we were sort of just too lackadaisical in terms of getting away from our goal. And, you know, the way we play normally, that's fine. But I just think in these conditions, it just wasn't right. And I think we started that eventually. But um, the whole combination of the weather, those those set pieces, us messing about, the crowd got up. Their side, you know, just looked really well up for it. Whatever was said at halftime worked. Um, and it felt inevitable that sooner or later we were going to concede. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, and Dave, we did concede, which is the uh, annoying thing. And to help highlight uh, what Jim was saying about us just not being able to play football, the way we tried to play out from the back before we conceded that corner, it was like a game of hot potato. Like, I can't think we brought on the uh, subs just before the goal, didn't we? Just nobody seemed to put the foot on the ball and try and take it down. It was like playing it up in the air whilst it's pissing rain and mm. a million miles of hour winds and etc. And it just each time floaty pass mat to matip six foot six in the air then i think it's i can't remember the who eventually puts out it might have been mcallister it's just 
put it on the ground and try and play. Why are you floating balls about whilst we're defending in our own half? It just seemed stupid. And the defending on the corner is almost as bad. Like, not to blame Kelleher because it's obviously awful conditions, but it's he's not Allison at set pieces. So we no, need to defend much better there. But you know what it is with Queeving? It's not just tonight. He, he doesn't command his box well enough. Now, look, the biggest factor for that is he doesn't have enough experience. The kid doesn't play enough. That's what it comes down to. He's played 25. Tonight might have been game 26, but I think it's 25. Yeah, it's 25 senior club games in his career. He's 24 years of age. He's 25 in three weeks. He's played a game a year for every year he's been alive, basically. Like, he's got 10 caps for Ireland and 25 games for Liverpool. That is not a good ratio. He should have, at this stage in his career, a hundred club games under his belt, minimum. We like, should be. We should have sent him out on loan, shouldn't we, to another top flight? We hundred percent should have. We, we, what we've done here, Jim, is we've done the same thing we did with Nat Phillips, where we have failed to sell him at the opportune moment, and we failed to capitalise on where his value was in 2022, either by sending him out on a good loan or by selling him, like. I said this, me and Trev talked about this the last time we, we did, we played that he played, which was the European game. Um, you look at Gavin Basunu, who's 21, doesn't turn 22 till February. He's played 20 times for Ireland, but he's got 135 senior games of football under his belt. Now, it's at different levels. It's League of Ireland, it's League One, Premiership, a Premier League championship, it's up and down the pyramid, but they're games, they're senior games of football, and they will stand him in great stead. Like, as things stand, if Cuevin Kelleher left at the end of this season, he'd probably have maybe 30 games under his belt, maybe 32. Gavin Basunu will have in the region of about 165 by then. Kelleher would need to play four full seasons, at which point he'd be 29 pushing 30 to get to where Basunu is now in terms of experience. This doesn't help him at all. This does him no favours as a young goalkeeper. And it's strange because he should be commanding of his box. That kid grew up playing GAA, living under the high ball. And he grew up in Cork as well, so he knows what ha- what heavy wind and rain is like. It, it, it's a little bit odd that he's not more commanding, but it's understandable at the same time because he just doesn't have the experience. He hasn't built that confidence in, in himself to be able to come and, and command his box. Now, look, he was fortunate enough tonight that the two centre-backs played quite well. One, one of them played outstandingly, the other one played quite well, and they dealt with a lot of the the crap that came into the box. But the point guy made about not keeping the ball on the floor was doing my head in as well. Like, if you if you look at our first goal, the big thing about that goal is when Harvey hits it, he hits it low and into the ground. He doesn't get get his foot underneath it. He gets over the ball and gets it low. And that's how we score. Every time someone tried to put their foot through the ball they ended up lofting it and it'd either get caught in the wind or it'd just sky to the point where it was no use to anybody. We didn't seem to adapt mm-hmm. cleverly enough to the, to the, to the weather. Now, look, you don't play football in weather, in weather like that very often at, at the level these lads operate at. But I, I did think we could have been just simplify things a little bit. You know, when, when we did keep it short and, and we got a bit of movement going, we were able to open them up and, and get the ball to Mo running into a channel or get the ball to Cody moving at pace off a runner. And none of these things were, were done frequently enough. Yeah, it, even the uh, Subozlai chance just after we scored, low hard hit shot. It just Other than Darwin, who doesn't abide to the laws of physics, it, it just wasn't working. <laughs> um but yeah, that their goal was just an absolute shit show all round. Um, to be fair, and it could have been more. Um, there was some good defending by Simakas. I think it was a uh, late interception at the back post. 
Um, they messed up a couple of counter attacks, a couple of counter attacks, I should say, where they should have done better. Um, but on the 69th minute, um, Jim Darwin Nunes. <laughs> is this another typical Darwin goal? Absolute shit touch sends it wide <laughs> and then just goes, I am Fernando Torres, fuck it. <laughs> um, it just puts it, bends it. Not toppest of corners, but I don't think the keeper could be doing too much more because it's, it's a fierce shot in horrendous conditions, as we say. But Darwin Nunes, I mean, if it, his Liverpool career this season is just going up and up and he's probably one of my favourite players to watch just because... He's not robotic, and it's just it's just vibes every time he's on the pitch. He's just yeah, he's just he's a law unto himself, isn't he? I mean, as you said, laws of physics and everything. He has his own. Um, I mean, the goal came. Um, their manager got booked, didn't he, for something complaining about something? Yeah, I think we got um, fouled, didn't we, or something like that? And yeah, him. he didn't like that. Um, didn't have a maybe looking at a screen, then they didn't have a VR and no VAR, so there was no sort of. Um, you know, no sort of second look. It's only maybe he was right. I don't know. I don't even know what file he was complaining about. But um, what I thought just before the goal, though, was that um, they were putting us under the cosh quite a bit. And then there was this great bit of defending from McAllister um, that just sort of, you know, reminded you why, you know, we've got players like that in the squad. You know, just for moments like that, they can just make a bit of a difference. And next thing you know, um, Darwin's going forward, um gets the ball, passes it to nobody on the wing, realises he'll have to go and get it himself. I think that's the nicest way I can put it. Um, maybe he thought somebody was on the wing, he passed it that far. Um, his first touch was heavy, but then, you know, maybe it was planned because he cut back in then and that shot, um, I mean, I think the commentator I was listening to said maybe it was helped by the wind. Looking at that replay, I don't think the wind had anything to do with it. If anything, the wind might have made it. The wind was you blown know, the other direction. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> You know, I think you're worried on about, and it was just, it was a wonderful shot that, when you think about it, was against the wind. Um, and I think that's the thing about Darwin. I mean, he does, he does have those moments where you know, gets he, he gets far too much stick for what he does. He does make mistakes. He does get things wrong. But it's typical him that it's like, oh well, I'll do it better next time. You know, he makes up for it straight away. His head doesn't go down. Um, I mean. You don't often get that in players at the front that, you know, they, they, they'll have a bad a bad moment and they can have a bad game. You know, and with Darwin, it tends to be he has a bad moment and then he has a really good one not long after. Um, and he did all that kind of in a couple of touches tonight. He's, he's just that, as we said so many times, Mr. Chaos, he's just that player that can just turn a game on his own. And we've got a few that can do that when they're in the mood. Um, I just love his enthusiasm. I just love the look on his face, his determination. When he gets it wrong... It's just, you know, the, the whole thing is how he reacts to that. As I say, um, he's not head down. He's not sulking for the next half an hour. Um, he's not over overcomplicating things, trying too hard for the next half hour. He sort of just gives himself a slap around the face and sorts it out, which is what you need. Lads, I've just seen the third goal United conceded. That is, that is something special. That. That's some of the worst defending I've ever seen. Um, Who was defending? There's uh, no one for Man United, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, la, Jesus Christ. And Bayern Munich are out the cup. The Harry McCarry Kane's legacy goes on. I just, I'm scrolling through Twitter, lads. It's a fun time. Um, I forgot to mention the subs that t- took place at either side of um, their goal and our goal. Um, Nunes came on, McAllister came on, Trent came on, Tavernier came on for them and just provided good um Delivery from the left hand side, uh, and I forgot to mention Clive that scored for them. Uh, Trent came on, but Gomez didn't go off as well. Yes, because Trent seemed to play a bit more in defined in midfield, or that's where the hell I saw him all the time. It was a bit, it was a bit. Yeah, strange. he played as the six when he came on, and mm. he absolutely drove me demented with the poor decisions he made, yes. with the refusal to make tackles. And with the decision when he had two... 5v3. <laughs> yeah, and, and two players completely unmarked, and one of whom was a fella called Mohamed Salah, he decided the best thing he could do was shoot, and he then dribbled the ball at the goalkeeper from 25 yards. Yeah, If you want him to be a midfielder... Play him in midfield, then. Yeah, start, him, start him in the Europa League. If you want him to be a, yeah. be a midfielder... Put him in midfield, in a midfield four, 
either as the right-sided one or as one of two in a double pivot with a ball winner next to him and put a proper right-back in the team, which we obviously had with Joe Gomez. But he's not going to be a six. And as the good brother Trev Denny says, the galaxy-brained inverted thing, it's not working for him this season. He hasn't been good this year. He was good at the weekend for the first time in a while because he wasn't doing it. He was sticking into wider areas. He was playing more as a traditional right back. And I think we lack something when he's not holding that width. Because what was really special about his delivery was the areas he was delivering the ball from. You remember, Jim Jim will definitely remember this. You, you might go, you might be a bit young for this. When we had a young Gerard and a young Owen, Gerard predominantly played on the right side of a midfield four under Jed. But one of our most lethal attacking moves was the ball thrown to Gerard or played out to him by one of the centre backs, him taking on the turn and bending a 50 yard ball from that right hand side in behind the two centre backs for Michael Owen to move on to. And we got five to six goals a season just from that avenue. That's the type of thing Trent could be doing with Darwin. And we've we've gone away from using Trent in those areas. Mm. And he's not as effective in the middle because teams have figured out what we're doing. We got a run last year where no one really figured it out all that well, quickly em- until em- Villa. Emery figured it out, didn't he? Emery yeah. figured it out at, at Anfield. Because um, what was happening was teams were just letting Trent move into midfield and the winger was holding the width. And now the, the, whoever the winger is, because of Jacob Ramsey that day, they're just tracking Trent into the middle of the park and they're pressing him every single time he has the ball. They wouldn't be able to get as close to him if he just started in midfield and wasn't having to make a 20-yard movement to get into that position. If he could save his 20-yard movement for just five yards to find a yard of space, he'd be a lot more effective in my view. So if you want to play him in midfield, play him in midfield, but build the midfield around him so it actually suits him. Don't play him as a six because he can't play as a six. Yeah. It's, and the thing is, if he even if he just goes back to right back, like it's not like we have Henderson, etc. in there, and even for Benio, who wasn't the best on the ball, but now we have... Mac in space, we have Dom in space, we'll have Graven Birch or Jones in space. It's it's not the lads we had who were basically corpses in the last couple of seasons. Um, so it, if he goes back to being a normal right back, it just opens up the centre for great quality players. It's a bit it's a bit strange, but um, I'm sure that'll be a debate that rumbles on. Um, Jim, coming to you, I, I did want to bring up Kwanzaa, and I think I noted this down because he did a nice little turn on the left-hand side. He was kind of playing left-back, and it was obviously like a, a back three, but he seemed very comfortable in wide areas. Um, but he, he did a nice turn and passed out quite well. Um, obviously, the summer was very weird. We all wanted a centre-back slash left-back, and obviously a number six, which we still do probably. Uh, but Kwanzaa is one of the really nice stories that's brewing in, in this season. Obviously, getting a lot more minutes in even in the Premier League when we had a few injuries there. But with the Europa League and these early cup rounds, seeing him develop, it's it, it's really great because we haven't had loads of people come through, especially in defence other than Trent. But he looks really promising. And I think we obviously, I think Matip's out of contract. There's always the Gomez debate. But come next season, if he's in the rotation of the defence properly, I don't think anyone would complain because he looks really, really good. He does, and I think it's unusual. I I sort of found, and maybe I'm not got any stats of this. I could be completely wrong, but the way I've always perceived it is that when you've got young centre backs, they tend not to break into the first team for for a very long time because it's almost as if you don't want to play young players at centre back. So you'll see them getting moved out to right back or left back, um, maybe played in midfield or something. Um, they don't seem to get the chances at centre back, and you know I, I can understand it. It's one of the sort of parts of the pitch where you you maybe want to do your least experimenting so that's what happens and you know there's this thing about wanting you know a good centre-back pairing that knows each other and all, the, all of this kind of stuff so um, it's not an area that you tend to get any experimentation with so when the players do get a chance they've really really got to shine 
to show that they're actually worth experimenting a little bit more with. And I think that's what he's done. Um, certainly this season, we've seen him... Um, I would say I was worried when I first saw his name down, you know, and, you know, starting games and things. And I thought, you know, this just shows our policy in the summer on signings was, was poor, that we're having to sort of resort to... Um, you know, bringing back memories of what we had in that COVID um, injury hit season when, you know, practically, I think Jürgen was about to get his boots on next to play at centre-back. We had so many players missing. Um, it felt like we were sort of walking into that situation again, but he's come in and let's face it, if he was a couple of years older and we'd paid, I don't know, £15 million for him, we'd all probably be saying what a bargain he was, you know, and, and that's that's testament to, to the effort he's put in. Um, he's obviously learning from the right people, and the more he plays with the right people, um, I mean, let's face it, Virgil is not getting any younger. There's still so much that Virgil can do for this side, even if it is. One thing that you can concentrate on is him helping players like Kwanzaa become you know, become something really, really special. I'm, I'm really, really hopeful about him. I hope we're not picking him up too soon because we've all done that before with players. Um, his confidence is, is one of the biggest assets that he's got. Um, he doesn't play like a kid. He doesn't play like someone who's overawed. He plays like someone who's been in the team for years. He's not frightened of taking responsibility. Um, you know, he's in and around the goals when we've got set pieces. I'm sure he's going to score one soon. He's not frightened of going forward with the ball um, and he's not frightened of putting in some excellent tackles and, you know, and, and match saving moments that we've had from him. Um, certainly at least one of them tonight and I've seen them before from him. So I agree. Um, it surprised me that we were so poor in the transfer window in the summer in terms of defence. But this has surprised me even more. Um, you know, maybe Klopp knew more than we did about this player. I don't know. I'm I'm not sure if he did, but regardless of what the the backgrounds of it was, we have got an excellent player here and we've got to get it right. And, um, you know, don't overplay him, don't overuse him, don't wear him out. But at the same time, don't let him fester in the academy and, you know, not getting the chances that he needs to play at this level because it's nothing like playing academy football. He needs to play these games at this level. Very much like we've just been saying about, about the keeper. Um, you know, you, you can't, you can't match experience with sort of playing in the reserves and playing in the academy and, and so on. Experience is massive. So we've got to keep giving him the experience and, you know, and trusting him. And I think so far he's, he's been trusted and he's, and he's earned every little bit of that trust. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, do you want to add anything on Kwanzaa? I thought he was the best player on the pitch tonight. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Timed his tackles well. Won his aerials. Read the game really well was very, very comfortable on the ball. Like there was the moment in the first half where he just decided inside his own penalty area, he was going to step out and dribble past a couple of their players. Now he eventually did lose the ball to Philip Billing, but then he made sure that nothing came of it, which is what you want from him. Like the thing is Quantas kind of, the, the, the one to point at when we're saying Keller's not played enough games, Gerald Kwanzaa has now played 23 senior games of football in his career. He's two behind Cuevine Kelleher, and he's been, for all intents and purposes, a professional for 18 months. He had that loan spell in the back half of last season with Bristol uh -huh. in League One. And that type of 
experience, that type of dropping down a level, dropping down not just in terms of the standard of football, but the standard of facilities, the level of coaching you're getting, there's a huge drop-off. And it tells you a lot about a young player's mindset, how they do in that different environment. Gerald Quance has been at Liverpool his entire career, since he's a kid. He knows nothing other than the very best of coaching, facilities, food, travel arrangements, accommodation when they're away. It's very different when you go to Bristol Rovers. And Joey he adapted Bart, to that. Bristol Rovers. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Joey Barton's your manager all of a sudden. Rather than, you know, going out and training and seeing Jurgen Klopp and his coaching staff, it's it's Joey Barton screaming at you. And he adapted. And to, to his credit, Joey Barton lauded him. Even when he got sent off last year playing for Bristol, Barton came straight out in his defence. And Barton said, towards the end of last season, this kid will be in Liverpool's squad next year. He's that good. Joey Barton was the biggest cheerleader for Gerald Kwanzaa. And I think we have to give him credit for aiding in the development of Gerald Kwanzaa. And Jim is right. Oftentimes at young defenders, they get shifted to center, from centre-back to full-back. And it can ruin them. We ruined Martin Kelly by moving him to right-back as a young player. We ruined Andre Wisdom by moving him to right-back as a young player. Completely altered the game and they were never able to move back central. In Kelly's case, he just got destroyed by injuries. It's so important that Gerald Kwanzaa gets developed purely as a central defender without messing up his game by moving him somewhere else. He's got to stay in the middle. That performance tonight was so mature. It was so far ahead of his years. I, I, I genuinely thought it was bald. He was firing balls into midfield, in nice and low and hard, into their feet, and letting them get turned and play. I, I was so impressed by him tonight. I, I think he's been an absolute revelation. And I think what he does is he allows us to let Joel Matip walk next summer and know that we have an in-house replacement for Joel. Now, I still think we should be buying a centre-back and a left-back and a holding midfielder, but that means that rather than buying two centre-backs and a left-back and a holding midfielder, we can now spend more on those other positions because we have Kwanzaa as a replacement in the squad for Matip. And I think that's huge. And he does predominantly play on the left side for us, but I'd like to see us maybe coach him to play on the right side. Because, look, we have Virgil. He's the best centre-back in, in the league again. Surprise, surprise. He just had a down year. He's not washed. He's not finished. People wrote him off far too early. He's back to being absolutely head and shoulders above everybody else in the league. We've got Ibu, who's a top-five defender in the league. But the issue with Ibu is is the injuries. So we need someone reliable that we can have to cover him. And I think Kwanzaa could be that guy in a year or two if if we develop him properly. So, you know, I think I think it's all very, very positive for him. Yeah, if obviously, say if we have Kwanzaa and Gomez for the right side and Ibu, obviously. Um, Gomez and go and sign one high-end one who can yeah, be the like Virgil cover. Hincapier can play left-back at the same time or something like that, isn't it? It's, it's an interesting one for the summer. But no, Kwan's is just so good. It's almost a shame. I, I know we do use the loan market quite a bit, but they always the numbers seem to be perfect, do they? It's a bit strange. Like, we have a, like Harry Wilson is probably a good example. It took him, like, three loans to get that breakthrough moment, and then we had his value to sell, didn't we? Mm. It's, a bit, it's a bit annoying. Um, Gruyic was the same. He had a bunch of loans, yeah. it didn't work. And we thought, After the Cardiff one, you thought he'd come back into the squad and just never appeared again, did he? <laughs> it's a bit strange. But um, anyway, that's for another a topic for another day. Um, we do make some more subs, or there's some more subs in the game, I should say. Gravenberch comes on and breaks my stream. Uh, <laughs> Kiefer Moore comes on a bit later on. Probably, as you said earlier on, Dave, probably should have came on whilst they had all the set pieces, because he is seven foot tall. Hmm. Although he did come on and kick the floor and fall over. That was the highlight of the last 15 minutes, without question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe not. Like the commentator, I think he was lining up to shoot there. It's like, 
No, he fucking wasn't, lads. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, then Jota came on, who I, I didn't, my stream was just dead at that point. I had no idea he was on until he set up the chance at the, like, at the end. Um, um, my only other note is Kwanzaa had a nice uh, bit of defending towards the end. And then 94th minute, Jim. Radu blocks a shot that's probably going in from Brooks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like, um, you know, full on um, magic of the cup and all that sort of stuff, wasn't it? You know, we've had a sort of magic moment ourselves when the keepers come up um, that we'll never forget when Ali came up a couple of years back and got us into the Champions League. It was that, you know, it was that sort of feel all about it. Up he comes, chaos, winds, winds blowing everywhere, set piece, last minute, all the romance of the cup, all of that stuff's coming up. Up comes the keeper and, you know, rather than getting his head on the end of the corner or causing a bit of confusion to the opposition, he just basically got his ass in the way, didn't he? Um and that was it. I mean, that that did feel like that was a big threat. We'd we kind of kept them at bay quite well. I thought, you know, as that match went on, once we got that second goal, we did sort of, um, you know, there were moments where I was a little bit worried at times, but on the whole, we were sort of keeping them at bay. We got control of the game, I would say. But of course, that's the thing, isn't it? Last minute, last couple of minutes, into stoppage time, you get one of those moments. Um, yeah, I feel sorry for him in a way. Um, he must have thought it was his chance to make a bit of history. Obviously, um, he's not the first choice keeper, I'm pretty sure, is he? So, um, you know, these are the moments when you make a name for yourself. And he's certainly done that. I can imagine um, Bournemouth fans who walked out just after that. So I think they've definitely given up by then. Um you know, they'll all be cursing his name for the rest of the night, if not for the next few weeks, which is a shame because he didn't do too badly for them today. Not that we really tested him that much, but, you know, he didn't do too badly for them today. Yeah, he seemed like an all right keeper. I know. I think he had a bad moment at Inter, if I remember correctly, a couple of years ago, but he seems an all right keeper. Um, Dave, coming to you, uh, final thoughts and, and plugs? Uh, they are really dragging out this League Cup draw. <laughs> but, um, they yeah, are making... Good. This League Cup draw is an absolute shambles. It was meant to start seven minutes ago and it still hasn't started because they like to just rinse it out for every bit that it's worth. Uh, it, final remember thoughts? the UEFA draws, the, the Champions League draws that you'd be sat in front in work at lunchtime trying for to get... three weeks. Yeah, and then, you know, you'd be going home from work and they'd just be getting the little balls out, wouldn't they? <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm I'm hopeful that we get Port Vale. That's 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 the ideal draw. We've got four games left to win, and we'll be in the final of this competition. No, four games left, and we'll we'll have won this competition, I should say. And we only need to win three of them. You know, win the quarterfinal, win the second le- the the semi-final leg at home, and win the final, and we'll we'll be fine. I, I think we can win this competition. I think we should try and win this competition. We're definitely the best team left in it. Newcastle are are tough and West Ham are decent, but other than that, I mean, it's it's very very mediocre teams left in it. Chelsea, Fulham, Everton, the two lower league sides. We 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 have a real opportunity here to win this one and just continue to grow that gap between ourselves and United as the most successful team in the history of English football. As for plugs, two footed every day, daily red every day scouted role and whatever else I'm I'm horsed onto. Yeah, and if it's Borough away, someone get me a ticket. It's, it'd be easy. Then I won't have to host. That'll make Trev host this. Um, Jim, anything <laughs> um, from you? Uh, you want to bring up and obviously plugged as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, it was it was a win. I think there's there's a quote from Klopp about um, there's thousands of ways. Let me find what he's actually said. Um, uh, sort of, yeah, there's thousands of ways to win a game. Um, and it's you know it's not always you know we just we just managed to find one you know that that's kind of sums it up for me that you know there were moments in the game when I was a little bit worried that you know that that spell in the second half where we were just sort of being clueless for a bit um, Darwin put it all to bed and at that point we kind of remembered who we were again um, there were times when I think you know if I'm going to be critical of us going forward, we just had that one too many passes, but maybe, maybe that's because of how good Bournemouth were at closing down our options and the players just thought, right, we'll pass it to someone else. It's those moments sometimes where, when maybe you should take a shot and cause a little bit of chaos. And then someone like, you know, a gap poke can be on the end of a, of a loose ball. Um, but then again, we've just, as we've just complained, you know, Trent taking that shot from distance and, and things, you know, sometimes you're better off not taking shots from distance. So maybe we just like to complain. Um, 
the thing is we won. Um, this competition is a big one for Liverpool. Um, you know, we all forget about it when we're not in it, when we've gone out of it. But this competition has been big for this club. It's certainly one of the big competitions I remember as I was growing up when Bob Paisley was manager and we didn't win the FA Cup with Bob, um, but we won this over and over again with him. Um, it's a big cup for us, whatever you call it. Still the League Cup to me, occasionally the Milk Cup. I hope we get a decent side in the next round so we can have a decent game. But I hope it's at home. Um, you know, give us another game at home. Um, another game where maybe the owners will think, if only we'd got that stand finished. Anyway, the draw is going to be done by the time I finish speaking. So that's probably something we'll talk about on the next Scouts of Tom, which we didn't do one last week. So we've got a lot of talking to do. We haven't done one since the derby. So we've got to talk about the derby. We've got to talk about all the other games since. And obviously tonight, as well as looking ahead to what's next. So hopefully we'll have one of those out very soon. Um, but as always, there's plenty on Anfield in the next, isn't there? Yeah, don't worry about the Georgian. They just whacked on another advert for the hell of it. We won't even get to see it. Um, I'm sure David uh, will talk about it on Daily Red tomorrow, and there will be a reaction on the uh, website as well. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for listening. Well, depending who the hell we get in the next round, I'll probably be back, even if it is Middlesbrough, let's be honest. It'll be fucking freezing. <laughs> uh, but anyway, thank you, everyone, for listening, especially those in Discord. Uh, goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.